Hey, everyone. It's Kristen. It's been a very unexpected week. Most of you are probably aware of the massive tragedy that just happened on Wednesday, October 25th in Lewiston, Maine. As a born and raised Mainer whose roots here go back many generations, my heart is absolutely broken. And I know I'm not alone. I went back and forth on this, but I ultimately decided I wanted to put something out to remember the victims. I still feel a bit frazzled and exhausted, so this isn't a typical episode. It's mostly to honor the victims, because I know that the world is going to be obsessing over their killer, and I want to contribute something that keeps them in the spotlight. Forgive me if my voice doesn't sound the greatest. This isn't the easiest to record. I want you to walk away from this mini-episode knowing more about the innocent people who lost their lives as people, rather than just a list of names. I'm also only going to say his name once because this isn't about him, and I'm tired of saying his name and sharing his photo, which I shared along with updates out of necessity during the 48-hour period to help people get a digest version of need-to-know info. Since everything was changing so rapidly and there were so many rumors flying, I just wanted to be a trusted source of the most basic information. If you aren't aware of what happened, here's a very brief overview. On Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, not even a week ago, at 6.56 p.m., 911 dispatch received a call that a shooting had occurred at just-in-time bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine. Within a minute and a half of the call, Four plainclothes officers, who happened to be nearby at a shooting range and heard the call over the radio, arrived at the scene. The shooter was nowhere to be found. At 7.08 p.m., dispatch received calls about an active shooter from Schmengi's Barn Grill, a pool hall four miles away from the bowling alley. The first officer arrived five minutes later. Again, the shooter disappeared. The suspect was quickly identified as 40-year-old Robert Card of Bowdoin who was a highly skilled member of the military and had extensive experience with firearms. I learned about it around 9 p.m. I was taking a break from work and I was watching a movie. We live about an hour away right off I-95 in Newport, and I do have friends in Lewiston. I'll get to this in a minute, but the reality of what happened was not what I was expecting. I turned on New Center, Maine, and in my mind, I was assuming maybe two or three people had been killed which still isn't okay, but prior to this, a spree murder in Maine usually included less than five people. When the newscasters first said the confirmed number was 10, my jaw literally dropped, and I gasped. It was then I knew this was serious, on a different level. I was absolutely shocked when they said it was confirmed 22, which thankfully turned out to be incorrect, but the news did initially confirm 22. An emergency shelter-in-place was ordered for the area after the suspect hadn't been caught right away. The next morning, officials confirmed and clarified that 18 people had been killed in the attack, with about a dozen or so injured. Some are clinging to life as I record this. The next two days felt like a whirlwind. All of New England was on edge, especially Mainers. Other than the news, people were seeing his face everywhere, even an hour away in Newport. This has never happened in Maine. I actually just posted a TikTok about this. You can find me at Murder She Told on TikTok, but if you're not from Maine and you don't know the area, I'm talking like inland, non-coastal, rural, working-class Maine. This is very different 
from other mass shootings of this caliber in the U.S. The thing you need to know about Maine is that it's very small, and it's connected, and it's overall so incredibly rural. It really is an everyone-knows-everyone where a lot of people go back generations. A lot of the major towns and cities, and I say cities very lightly, especially having lived in New York City, because Lewiston is the second-largest city and it's only 36,000 people. They're all connected by the only highway in Maine, which is I-95. We have the oldest population per capita, and we have a high rate of gun ownership, but a low rate of gun violence. I started this podcast partially because Maine never makes the news. Let's be honest. It's a very quiet state that is often virtually forgotten. Our homicide rate is 22 average per year, which most of are domestic and drug-related or personal. There were 18 people killed in one night, which is almost the average yearly rate in one night. That's shocking for a state with these kind of statistics. Call it naive, but the stereotype of it doesn't happen here and it could never happen here, in a way, are true. It's safe in Maine, but it did happen here. So I think a lot of people were in shock when this happened, and it's absolutely shattered Mainer's sense of safety. Especially thinking that just driving up I-95 in 20 minutes, you can hit the next major community hub in Maine. Whereas in big cities, it would take you a while to get from Houston to Dallas. I know I didn't sleep very well this week, and I also know that I'm not alone in that. 350 state and local police from Maine and other New England states, FBI, ATF, game wardens, and other officials participated in the search for this man. And if you're like, well, how could they not find him? This man was very skilled and very smart. He knows how to stay hidden and how to survive in the woods, despite any mental health concerns he may have been having, which I am not going to get into. Maine is also a very easy place to hide. The center of Lewiston may be a more condensed area, but once you get past that, it turns rural very quickly. The manhunt went on for about 48 hours until he was found dead in nearby Lisbon, the night of Friday, October 29th, of self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Androscoggin County Sheriff's Department confirmed at 9.20 p.m. that he'd been located deceased. And even though we know that the families will never get to face him, it felt like a huge relief. Like, all of this tension over the past 48 hours had finally been relieved. He was no longer a threat to the public. One part of the nightmare was finally over, but the rest is only just beginning. I wrote this on the Murder She Told Facebook page immediately after the press conference around 10.30. Tonight, Maine can finally breathe and sleep. We can mourn without fear and finally begin to heal from this massive tragedy. The suspect in the Lewiston shootings has been located deceased after a 48-hour manhunt and stealing 18 innocent lives. Everyone's hearts are broken. Born and raised Mainers. Fifth-generation Mainers. Just moved to Maine Mainers. Friends of Mainers. Fans from away. Honorary Mainers. Moved away Mainers. All of us. Maine's community is special. We will come out of this stronger more empathetic and closer. Thank you to the hundreds of first responders, both local and out of state, who worked tirelessly and selflessly over the past 48 hours to bring a resolution. Thank you to the newscasters and service workers who put in the same effort. 
These 18 people, their names, and the stories their families decide to share should be our focus now that he's been located. He took too much of our focus out of necessity for the past two days. Now, it's time we shift and remember and honor them. These are the 18 victims of the Lewiston shootings whose lives were taken this week. They are why I chose to make this. This is what their families and loved ones want you to know about them. I'm going to start with the victims of just-in-time recreation, the bowling alley that was hit first. Thomas Ryan Conrad, age 34. Thomas was a manager at Just-in-Time Recreation, and he was one of several men who attempted to take down and disarm the gunmen. Thomas was a veteran of the U.S. Army, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. His friend, Adam Stoddard, told the Lewiston Sun Journal, He was great with all the bowling community kids. They loved him. He loved them so much he sacrificed his life to save the children who were there. Thomas had recently returned to Maine to be closer to his nine-year-old daughter. He died a hero. Michael R. Delorier Jr., age 51, and his best friend, Jason Adam Walker, age 51. Michael and Jason were close friends having a fun night out together. Michael and Jason were two of several who were killed while trying to rush the gunmen and stop the violence. Michael's father shared in a Facebook post to the Sabattis Historical Society, I have the hardest news for a father to ever have to share. My son Michael and his dearest friend, Jason Walker, were murdered last night at the bowling alley. They made sure their wives and several young children were undercover, and then they charged the shooter. Trisha C. Aslan, age 53. Trisha was a part-time employee at Just-in-Time Recreation. She was an accomplished athlete, a volunteer, a mother, and the rock of her family. She also died a hero. Trisha's mother and sister were there visiting. Her mother told NPR that they were chatting near the lanes when the shots rang out. And instead of exiting the building with them to safety, Trisha ran back behind the counter to call 911. This is when she was killed. Trisha was skilled in golf, fishing, and softball, and she even turned down a college softball scholarship to start a family. She was a volunteer with Make-A-Wish and raised $900 for a local Susan G. Komen breast cancer research walk. She enjoyed going on cruises with her son. Her mother told NPR, I'll hold her in my heart forever, but I want her in my arms one more time. William A. Young, age 44 and his son, Aaron Young, age 14. Bill Young was a father and an auto mechanic. He was also the center of his family. His cousin Kim told the Associated Press, Bill was a man dedicated to his family, always trying to be the funny guy. Bill had taken his 14-year-old son, Aaron, to just in time to play in a youth bowling league Wednesday night. Aaron was an honor student in Winthrop who was really proud of his grades. He was an avid bowler who received awards for his skills from the youth league. His sister Kayla told the press, I knew it would hit me when I got here, and Aaron wasn't here to greet me with a huge smile and a hug when we got in. My mom just keeps saying, he gave the best hugs. Robert E. Violet, age 76, and his wife, Lucille M. Violet, 73. Bob and Lucy bowled like clockwork every week according to their former daughter-in-law, Jessica, who was interviewed by Maine Public. Bob was the coach of the Youth League, a program that he started, and Lucy would bowl on Wednesdays. 
The couple was described as kind and gentle people who were devoted grandparents. Bob wanted to share his love of bowling with others, and Lucy served in the public school system for 52 years. The superintendent of Lewiston Schools said she supported youth, their development, loved bowling, a good laugh, and was a valued member of the business office at Lewiston Public Schools. She was one of the kindest people I ever met. A friend of Bob's told WMTW, I have no doubt that he was protecting those kids until the end. He's just such a good man, and he deserves people to know about him and what he meant to everyone. Jessica said, I knew pretty much automatically that Bob would be one to get shot, because he's a hero. He's a protector and a veteran. I knew he would throw himself in front of the children and his wife. These are the victims from Schmengi's Barn Grill. Keith D. McNear, age 64. Keith was the only person who wasn't local to Maine. He had traveled from his home in Florida to visit his son in Maine and celebrate his 64th birthday. His niece, Grace, wrote on Facebook that Keith was undoubtedly making new friends that night. She wrote, Keith was one of the friendliest and kindest guys in the room. His loss will leave a huge hole in the lives of many, many people. There's a GoFundMe created by his family. Ronald G. Morin, 55. Ron Morin was a dedicated husband and father of two. He is remembered for his gregarious and infectious personality and as the one who was always ready to make others laugh. Ron had recently started posting almost daily quips on Facebook, including this, his final post the day before the shooting. Some comic relief. Why do men go to bars to meet women? Go to Target. The female-to-male ratio is 10 to 1, and they're already looking for things they don't need. His younger sister Tanya wrote on the family's GoFundMe, He was an incredible husband, father, brother, uncle, son, and friend. To know Ron was to instantly love him. He was a man who always put others before himself and looked for the humor and positivity even in the most tragic circumstances. His son, Eric, called his father his best friend. Peyton Brewer Ross, age 40. Peyton was a new father and a pipe fitter at Bath Ironworks. He was also part of the local machinists' union. He was described as a wonderful and colorful person to be around. The union released a statement saying that Peyton would be remembered for his compassion, his ability to go above and beyond to support his fellow workers, his humor, and his strong character. Peyton was an avid cornhole player and a huge fan of wrestling, especially macho man Randy Savage, who he would often quote. He also loved comic books. His brother Ralph told the Bangor Daily News that in his favorite photo of his brother, he's wearing a red-fringed Randy Macho Man Savage Slim Jim jacket and grinning from ear to ear. Not many people could pull off wearing that jacket, he said. Peyton wore it when his sweet daughter Elle was born two years ago, and he would wear it playing cornhole, which he was very excited to do that Wednesday night. Ralph said, Peyton and Elle, those two were a pair. She is a total daddy's girl. The first word that ever came out of her mouth was daddy. She now asks where her daddy is, and her mother, Peyton's life partner and recent fiancé, Rachel, struggles to find the words. They had plans to buy a home together. Everything was coming together for him, and in one moment, it was all taken away. Joshua A. Seal, 
age 36. Joshua Seal was a husband, a father of four, and a tireless advocate for the deaf community, especially in times of crisis. He was a skilled sign language interpreter and is remembered for his ASL interpretation of the pandemic briefings for Dr. Narav Shah in Maine. He was a star among the deaf and hard of hearing. Josh was part of a group from the deaf and hard of hearing community in Lewiston, who frequently played cornhole at Schmengi's. He was participating in a tournament for deaf people with his friends Steve Vazella, Brian McFarlane, and Billy Brackett, who were also killed. The men all knew each other through the Governor Baxter School for the Deaf. Josh also helped to coordinate programs for summer camps for deaf and hard-of-hearing kids to keep them engaged and not feel isolated. His wife Elizabeth said that he was the best father. He will be missed by many. Brian M. McFarlane, 40. Brian was part of the group playing in the cornhole tournament with the deaf community. He would have turned 41 in December. Brian grew up in Portland and had recently moved back to Maine to be with his mother. He loved spending time with his deaf friends, loved being outdoors, riding his motorcycle, camping, and fishing. Brian was one of the first deaf people in the state of Vermont to get a commercial trucking driver's license and would often hit the road with his dog Eminem, named after his favorite candy. His sister Carrie told CNN, Many states don't let deaf people drive trucks, so I'm very proud of him for achieving that. Stephen M. Vazella, age 45. Steve was also part of the group playing in the cornhole tournament with the deaf community. Cornhole was a big part of his life, and he was pretty good at it. He was an active member of the New England Deaf Cornhole, who wrote on Facebook that he would be deeply missed both on and off the courts. Steve was a letter carrier for the U.S. Postal Service and was a member of the National Association of Letter Carriers. Steve was also a father of two and was just about to celebrate his one-year wedding anniversary with his wife, Megan. He was a pivotal member of Maine's deaf community. William Frank Brackett, age 48. Billy, as he was known, was also part of the group playing in the cornhole tournament. Billy didn't let being deaf stop him from doing anything he wanted to do. He was an avid sportsman, and he loved just about any sport, participating in basketball, soccer, baseball, and softball. As a teen, he would teach his fellow baseball team members sign language in the dugout. And as an adult, he taught children basketball in the summer. Billy was the father of a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and this summer, he began taking her fishing, trying to teach her a love of the outdoors. His father, whose name was also William, told the press, he was just a gentle person. He was big and rugged, and I guess maybe that's why all the little kids loved him. Maybe they thought, he'll be our protector. Joseph Lawrence Walker, age 57. Joseph Walker was the manager of Schmengi's Barn Grill and the son of Auburn City Councilor Leroy Walker Sr., Maine State Police said that Joseph grabbed a kitchen knife and tried to run towards the shooter and stop him from hurting other people. He was shot in the stomach twice. His father, Leroy, in an interview with WGME, said he wasn't surprised to hear that's how his son died, trying to save other people. Leroy said, My son was a great son. He never got into any trouble, and he did a lot of good things for a lot of people. Joseph, along with many others, died a hero. Arthur Fred Strout, age 42. Arthur Strout was a father of five. He was playing pool at Schmengi's with his father 
also named Arthur. His father left the bar early. He later told CBS News, He said I love you because all my kids tell me that every time we see each other. Ten minutes later, I get a phone call. Arthur was described by his wife, Christy, as a Christmas person who would sometimes start holiday preparations by Halloween. Together, they had a large blended family, and they all loved to decorate the tree together. He strived to create the picture-perfect Christmas tree. A close friend of the Strout family, Maria, described Arthur as a generous person who wanted to share everything he had. She remembers him for his infectious and silly laugh. Max A. Hathaway, age 35. Max was playing pool Wednesday night with his pregnant wife, Brenda, who, now miraculously, left early before the shooting happened. Max was a stay-at-home dad to two daughters, with a third on the way, due in about a month. He loved anime, gaming, and playing pool. His sister Kelsey wrote in the family's GoFundMe for Brenda and his children that her brother was goofy and down-to-earth. Max, quote, loved to joke around and always had an uplifting attitude, no matter what was going on. She wrote, Growing up, he would always play dolls with my younger sister Courtney and always loved to get into trouble. Now, Max's three girls will have to grow up without their dad. Those are the 18 confirmed victims of the Lewiston shooting. And while the rest of the survivors are healing physically, I hope that we don't add a 19th. All of the GoFundMes mentioned in this episode and more will be linked at the top of the blog at MurderSheTold.com. If you see any other GoFundMes that directly support any of the families or verify general funding for those affected, please email them to me at hello at MurderSheTold.com so I can add them. I'm going to put the link to the blog in the show notes so that you can easily find all the links to help people. If you have a coffee to spare, please consider donating to one of these GoFundMes. Most of Maine is lower and middle class communities, so a lot of these families might be struggling financially in the aftermath. I've donated anonymously for Murder, She Told. If you need help or counseling during this time, please call or text 988. There are people available 24-7 and ready to speak with you. You matter, and you are not alone if you are struggling or you need help. I'll link some resources on the blog as well. Be kind to one another. Share kindness. Maine is strong. We will get through this. I just wish we didn't have to in the first place. I love you all. Thank you for listening. 